The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, man, how's it going, bud? It's going swell, and I am very excited that we have a special guest star on the episode tonight. Ben, Mike, you guys want to do the honors? You guys set it up? We want to welcome, from all kinds of podcasts and internet, <laughs> Mike from Pop Psych 101. Mike, how's it going, man? It's going really good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Really? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> there oh, it is. Man, intros are great. Yeah, no, the it, intro's done. Move on. No, yep. <laughs> episode time. Hi, I'm Mike from Pop Psych 101. So, Mike, do you got any uh, special plans for the fourth? You know, this is my. I have two kids. One's about to be four. One's about to be two. But this would be my almost four-year-old second fourth that he understands. And he is pumped. So we're going to go buy, this is the fourth today that we're recording, and we're going to go buy fireworks as soon as I'm done, and that's the rest of my day is blowing stuff up. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just make sure you keep all your fingers. You got two eyes, end the day with them. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Ben, I read your post with the M80 in it. Right. We'll be super careful. Yeah, please do. Yeah. No, my son was not a fireworks fan for a long time. He's seven. And the last couple of years, though, he's figured out that these are really cool, which makes my wife even happier than me because she absolutely loves fireworks. So it's it's not good for you, like roller coasters <laughs> or fireworks or my wife is like, yeah, let's do <laughs> yeah. that. So <laughs> I have the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, virtue by gravity and my size. I'm not much of a roller coaster person. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. There's not a lot of 4XL size uh, roller coasters rolling around America right now. Yeah, so that's okay. I understand what happens if you hit the ground really hard. So I'm cool with that. Yep. Ben, are you a roller coaster guy? Um, I used to be. I, I've gotten older now and I'm like, mm, no, I'm good. I'll let the. Uh... Let the kids do that stuff. So, matter of fact, that's weird. I agree with that. I used to love roller coasters, and it's not that I won't ride them, but they're less comfortable now. If that makes sense. Yes. Like that kind of hurt. Okay. So, (laughs) anyway, one of the better roller coaster amusement parks in America is not far from where I live. And so we went up there. And of course, the very first roller coaster I go on, I am scared to death. And people, my cousins that are sitting next to me are like, I don't think it's supposed to be making this noise. I'm like, oh, God, I hate you people, right? <laughs> so so we get yeah. done, and it was a blast. I absolutely loved it. I was like, that was fantastic. So we ride several more. But I, I think the older part caught up to me on the last one was one of the wooden roller coaster rides. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It was like a two-minute car wreck is what I felt like I was in. I was like, nah. I'm cool with that. Like literally my upper back and neck was just jarred. I was like, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. So yeah, we have an old wooden one here. I don't Ben, have you ever been to worlds of fun? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Ben and I actually don't live super far from each other and there's worlds of fun here. So we have a ride called the Timberwolf. That's like as old as it gets for wooden. And uh, yeah, it's pretty shaky. Yeah. It'll beat the shit out of you. (laughs) Yeah. Is this safe? Well, as long as you don't have a, you know, a spinal condition, sure. <laughs> and I did want to say too that you were talking about how your friends were like, I don't know if it's supposed to make that noise. When I was a kid, 
there was one at Worlds of Fun called the Zambezi Zinger, and uh, which is like my all-time favorite. But I remember the first time, and it was my first roller coaster, we got on and there was some like red paint on the track. And my dad was like, look at the blood. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's weird. Because at a Columbus Zoo, they have a water park called Zambezi Bay. So when you said that, I was like, what's up with that? Conspiracy is abound in my head now. I got to I got to get to the bottom of this Zambezi Zinger. Uh, situation. Yeah, yeah. What's going on here? So since we were well established now. Yeah. Mike, we're going to do the social media part. Is there anything you want to talk about or shout out? Oh, sure. Pop Psych 101. That's I'm the co-host of that podcast. It's, at, it's called Pop Psych 101 Mental Health and Pop Culture. I am not a professional by any means like you guys or like my co-host. <laughs> I'm just some guy who has bipolar disorder, and I host my show with a licensed therapist, and our job every week is to look at a movie, a book, or a television show, or any, at this point, anything in pop culture, and break it down for its mental health portrayal. So we specifically pick things that portray mental health to talk about if they're accurate. And it's not always accuracy. Sometimes it's just to talk about what it's portraying, and then we like rate whatever it is that we're covering. And uh, we also do a second episode every week now, and they're usually very short, like 17 to 20 minutes, where Ryan and I, uh, the therapist, we just goof around Yep. because our episodes get really heavy. And so that's kind of our way to decompress after we record is to like play a game or something. And it's just a lot of fun. People are responding pretty well to it. And if you want to listen to it, you can just go to poppsych101.com. Or any social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we're at PopPsych101. Yeah, it is honestly an amazing podcast. I truly, truly enjoy your podcast. Uh, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass just because you're on our show. I mean, I, you know that I really, truly do enjoy your podcast. I do, yeah. I appreciate that. Even if you've ruined Rain Man for me, I want you to know that. <laughs> did I? We did, too. I didn't know how bad that movie was <laughs> until I watched it again. I, and I was like, oh, my God, you, you, you killed Rain Man. <laughs> Hold on. I haven't listened to that episode yet. I, are, you, I, are you telling me not to? No, I'm just saying <laughs> it will change. Your, it will change your beliefs. That's all I'm going to say. Gotcha. Well, you know, about that episode, real quick, uh, we actually got in trouble for that episode. <laughs> yeah, that's the only one we've ever had people write us letters about things that we said. Oh, because the you autism. know Ryan, he's a therapist and has worked with autistic children. And things like that, but he's not autistic. He doesn't have an autistic kid. I, as usual, and is the point of having me on the show, didn't know anything about it. Right. So there was a couple, like two things we said that um, some people thought were not insensitive, but totally uninformed. And they were right. So we definitely corrected that. But yeah, we got in trouble. Wow. Well, now I want to listen to it. So it is really, it's a good episode. That one was one of my favorites. And then. It's one of the very first ones, the the bipolar episode that you guys did, and it was yeah. just raw and real hearing from you, and it was just like that was probably when I became a huge fan. And then it's like I I need to get this guy on our show too. Yeah, I'll be honest, Ben has been telling me about that show for quite a while, like way before you two had ever came into contact. Ben was like dude you need to listen to this show so we have been fans and i think anyone that's listened to this show for a while has heard us talk about your podcast multiple, multiple times. times oh so, i love you guys <laughs> <laughs> so oh and you know what i just realized so and i planned on i see in pre-show i didn't make my little note here so for you guys out there listening there isn't a problem with my mic per the first half of this show uh, or first half of this season i am developing a, a pretty good upper respiratory infection and ben is getting some ass kicking allergies going on yeah. so no need to adjust your audio uh, mike just sounds great so that's just mike but that's my voice, us baby this guy sounds like a sounds like a DJ. It's amazing. But I, on the other hand, sound like I swallowed some gravel and cat piss. And <clears throat> so if you hear that multiple times throughout the show, that's what's going on. So don't be afraid. I probably will live. However, if you're that worried, you know, let us know. That'd be pretty cool. I would love to get that. Is Tom okay? Like, yes, they care. Like, I want that. I need that to feed my ego. Jeez. 
<laughs> Goodness, see, there it was. I didn't even have time to hit the mute button. I just like listening to it. Oh, yeah. they. <laughs> oh, give me that. Give me that my cough. ego or the coughing? It's a so. cough. It's my thing. I didn't know if you guys knew it's a thing. <laughs> yes, it, it is. It's a thing. So, uh, Ben, since yeah. Mike got out his social media, I know how much you love doing the social media shout out. I really do. Yeah. All right. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We are all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web. We're at www.justsomepodcast.com. Or you can email us, admin at justsomepodcast.com. Also, don't forget that we are on our new podcast hosting service, which is justsomepodcast.libsyn.com. And we are on Helium Radio Network. We're on Helium Radio After Dark. That's Channel 2. Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. Tom, what else can they do, bud? Well, they can tell all their friends and family about us, shamelessly plugging that every week. They can also uh, give us some ratings and reviews. We'd love to hear back from you. They can also see us. Did you mention YouTube? Did I Did I not? Okay. Well, we know you love the YouTube, so we're on YouTube as well. And as always, they can go to our website at the bottom of the page. There's an Amazon affiliate link. You just click on that and you do your Amazon shopping. You won't even know we were there. Much like a stalker shadow in the back of the room. Creeper. Yeah, just silently watching everything you do. Yeah, that's just us. That's what we do. And hey, Mike, so is that how I get more people to listen? If I tell them I'm going to stand in the back of the room? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I think what happened? Mike, Mike's like, what just happened on this show? I was telling them is that if they click on the Amazon affiliate link, it doesn't do like they won't even know. They have nothing else. I said much like I would be willing to stand in the back of your room and just watch you. Like, is that a good um, thing? I, I don't care. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a weird guy. So <laughs> I could see it now three weeks from now. They're like, who's that guy? Mike? Oh, that's Tom. He said he'd stand there. So, well, you know, as long there. as I had seen you first, so I knew what you looked like and it, it wasn't a surprise. Oh, well, yeah. You don't want the surprise. That's no, the no, no, best no. part. I would actually rather you like call me and then be like, I'm going to come over and stand in your room for a while. <laughs> Be like, okay, that's fine. And he'd be like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> Tom, well, like, go ahead, sir. Yeah, go on. No, no, no. Please. Are you ready to get into story? means. Yes. And Mike, I, well, you said you've listened to the show before, so I'm sure you're going to understand here in a second. He likes to not tell me what he's about to read off, that's just true. in case it's something he knows is going to piss me off. Okay. So that so that he gets the the legitimate reaction. Yep. Like, because you were in pre production, he didn't mention this. He just said he had one. Yep. So. Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, that's not that big a deal. But then sometimes he's like, he's really thrown. A guy kicked a puppy and spit on a flag. I'm like, ah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's see. What do you got today, Ben? Well, before I give you the story that we may have missed, I did want to mention, because (laughs) I forgot to mention it in the intro, that we have decided for the month of July that we are going to do Mental Health Awareness Month. And so we're going to. All of our all four of our episodes in the month of July are going to be focused on mental health in some aspect, which is one of the reasons we have Mike on the show for Pop Psych 101. So, with that being said, I figured we needed stories that related around mental health as well, Tom. So, oh boy, no, it's nothing bad. It's good. <laughs> so, found a story that CPAP can help provide relief from depression for sleep apnea sufferers. So, their researchers have found that the CPAP can improve depression symptoms of patients suffering from cardiovascular diseases. And they found that there was a significant decrease in cases of depression after patients received CPAP for their sleep apnea. Okay. Yes. First of all, if they have depression and sleep apnea, we're going to be giving them the CPAP anyways. Correct. It's not... So, so not using the CPAP specifically for the depression, just that it can improve moods and depression after being treated with CPAP for the OSA. Okay. And I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying, isn't that common sense though? If a person who's depressed gets a full night's sleep, I I guess my point is what did the researchers think? Like, Hey, this guy has, uh, he's having a rough time. Let's keep him awake for two days. Did they think that was going to improve the condition? (laughs) I just, well, Tom, that's like saying people that are hungry tend to do better when they eat. Like, oh, okay. Well, now that you cleared that up for me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was going to say, like, right out of the cage, something similar. Like, 
Well, yeah, because sleep is, yeah, sleep is, I think the most important thing for mental health. And if someone's suffering from something that's taking away from their sleep quality and they have depression, it's going to increase their depression symptoms like tenfold. And then if they solve that by having getting CPAP, then yeah, that's going to, I, I mean, it seems like it would help a lot. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's my thing is that even if you're not suffering from mental health condition and you're tired, you're going to be not at full optimal health. Mike just said sleep is a great part of the therapy. I, I don't understand what I guess normally I'm like, oh, oh, I didn't I didn't know this part. I'm going, wait. I could have told him that. Like, I mean, <laughs> but you didn't, sir. But you, didn't. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> well, I didn't. But they clearly weren't listening when I figured out that there are uh, memory issues associated with not being able to do Sudoku. So I'm still waiting on my Nobel Prize, Mike. I don't know how we're going <laughs> to fix that, but I'm still waiting. Terrible at Sudoku. <laughs> <laughs> well. If you lose the ability to use like your left arm, you let me know. I'm going to add that to the uh, study. <laughs> okay. Wow. What did you think about it, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Ben. Okay. Ben, your take. Well, I found that it was interesting. I mean, I see what you guys are saying with obviously sleep is vitally important. And as we have shown with other things, I mean, CPAP can help improve lots of conditions as far as obesity and can improve diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular risk, all kinds of stuff. So I can certainly see that it would increase uh, or improve, not increase. We're not increasing depression. We're improving. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> the depression symptoms, yeah. I just imagined, I don't know why. I just like imagine in my head two lions and they're like, hey, this one that we let sleep, he's really happy. <laughs> and this one I keep poking with a stick. And he seems really pissed off. So therefore, I'm like, yeah, I didn't realize we needed to do a study <laughs> that letting the letting sleep happen is a is a bad thing, but or a good thing. But I'll, I'll find something interesting for you. <laughs> I'm wondering if some people were experiencing depression symptoms because of their breathing problems, and then maybe necessarily they didn't have like chronic depression, and. And after the CPAP, they found that those symptoms subsided, and that was like um, pretty notable, I guess. Well, and that would make sense if yeah. if that's what they said. But it was the way they the way they put the abstract on the study. It sounds like they were like, "Hey, we can help improve depression by giving a person that with a known obstructive sleep apnea CPAP, which we were going to do anyways." And I'm just like, "What? I don't understand the point." <laughs> Guys that like hamburgers, we gave hamburgers, and they seemed happier. They oh, well, there. <laughs> but you put it like but that. one of them said he would pay us on Tuesday. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think his name was Wimpy. I'm pretty sure that guy, he gladly would pay us on Tuesday. Oh, I am so old. There are so many people listening to this right now, they have no clue what that meant. I know. It's a... <laughs> right? They're like, what? It's so sad. Have you ever watched an older movie? Like, I think it was watching um, a lethal weapon or something the other day, and there's something going on. I'm like, just text him. And you're like, oh, <laughs> there's yeah. no. There, if they had cell phones, that whole movie plot falls apart. Like, yeah, right there. You, you know that cell phones have created this entire, with screenwriters, a problem, a big problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have to find reasons for people not to have cell phones. And because they solve almost every like plot device. It's true. Yeah, it is. It just kind of cracks me up though. I, I didn't think about it though until that moment. And like I said, I don't know if it was lethal weapon. I just remember watching that the other day, but I was just call. What is the problem? <laughs> like, why won't you just, be... Oh, there wasn't a cell phone in this part of the movie. Gotcha. So Ben. Yes, sir. Lead us forwards. Well, as Mike alluded to earlier, he does have a diagnosis of bipolar, correct, Mike? That is correct, among other things. <laughs> other than being a cool guy. I mean, yeah, there you go. But uh, <laughs> with it being our Mental Health Awareness Month for July and wanting to do episodes related to that, we wanted to bring Mike on. And very similar to what we did with Andy when we did the heart transplant story, is just kind of let Mike take it from from that perspective and 
see if we can learn something from him in regards to that. So we'll kind of ask you questions along the way, Mike, and just kind of see where the conversation goes. Absolutely. Totally open. I'm uh, transparent as possible. That's like kind of my goal. So, Okay. So when did it start or when did you first start realizing that maybe there was some issues? I've kind of pinpointed it to around 19 years old, though I have a very vivid memory of uh, my first panic attack when I was 17. For me, this all felt like it started as extreme panic and anxiety, which now looking back after years and years of psychiatrists and inpatient and outpatient and being diagnosed bipolar was, you know, I was in the early stages was hitting some manic phases and not knowing what it was and kind of freaking out. It just like the, the, the up was giving me anxiety and, and panic. But yeah, so like around 19, I would say it started manifesting, which is not unusual. Uh, bipolar disorder usually manifests in people's early 20s, right. um, mid-20s. So 19 isn't out of the ballpark. I would say, you know, it does, it does seem to intensify over time as you get older. But yeah, so it would have been around 19 years old when I first started noticing I felt different, um, having panic and anxiety, um, started, you know, acting and doing different things I wasn't doing before, that kind of stuff. And so how long did you try to deal with symptoms yourself before realizing, hey, maybe I need to either talk to someone or need to you know, see someone for to discuss medication or just, what you know, just seeing what the hell's going on? Right. So that is a, a huge thing for people that are experiencing mental health issues is something like the average onset to seeking help time period is like five or six years. Okay. And I would say I didn't get into the right people that I needed to be talking to till I was like 25. Okay. Uh, so about six years. But I did go to my PCP and get um, like an antidepressant. Okay. And like I was on Xanax for a very long time. And this is before I think people were really super aware of just the eighth layer of hell that benzodiazepines are. But yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I just don't count the PCP because, and this is no offense to them. It's just that they, it's not their ballpark, you know? Very true. I mean, it's so, true. Yeah. So it was like 25 before I got to somebody that was really directing me in the right direction. So. With seeing your PCP then and, and starting an antidepressant and the benzo, I'm going to assume just from that that they were not necessarily considering it to be bipolar, more, oh, you have depression and you have anxiety, and so they're kind of trying to treat both. Is that... That's correct. And there's a good reason for that, and that's also why I look back and say, you know, I did have some good PCPs because they were doing what they could with the knowledge surrounding it, and that is like, so... I have bipolar disorder, but it's actually bipolar two. Okay. Okay. So I do have periods of mania. Let me explain. So hypomania. It's called hypomania for a bipolar one person. And this would be like what you see in the movies. That's what they would normally portray. If you saw a bipolar person, they go through what's called manic episodes. And, and right. that would be what people would describe as crazy and doing things like sexual things and that they wouldn't normally do or gambling or going on drug binges or just wild, crazy delusions of grandeur, those kind of things. And then that would be followed by a period, a down period, right? But it's not an insanely super extended or low down period. It's just like a coming off that mania. Whereas a bipolar two person, and that would be like me, I get hypomanic. Right. So I don't make all of those really crazy decisions. I don't, I'm not so intense that people are like distancing my, themselves, which is really common for bipolar one. It, it, me, I just get intense and goal oriented like crazy. I, if I start working on something, I, I work on it for 16 hours without moving. I can't sleep, you know, it's insomnia, that kind of stuff. But the, the, the bad part is, is when I come off of a hypomanic area, um, I, I go down into a depression, and that's the the hard part. It's a deep, long, dark depression, and it's uh, it's tough. So most of the information I understand about it is that these cycles they're not 
generally minute to minute. Like you're going to be up for a period of time and then you transition for a period of time. Is that more correct? Because I think most people, when they think of bipolar, they think of a person that's like happy one second and crying the next. I'm like, no, it's more of a, a slope. Yeah, that is kind of a common misconception, I guess. And I think it's really logical for people to think when they hear bipolar and and then understanding that means mood shifting, that they think, okay, the moods are going up and down really quickly. Or, or some of them might even say, oh, everyone has mood shifts that go up and down, but bipolar is different. And this goes across the, the whole mood affective disorder spectrum. There's several different ones. And that is not only are the moods elevated from what a normal person would feel. And when I mean elevated, I mean very, very elevated. I guess you you wouldn't know unless you experienced it, but they're totally out of the realm of a normal emotion. But they also last days, weeks. Uh, my The depression side of mine, I've, I've been in a deep depression up to 11 months. Wow. And then... The, for me, the hypomania, it's usually a couple of weeks when I get that. So, which is what is a big down or not down, but it's what really sucks about that because a lot of bipolar two people don't experience their hypomanic sessions quite as long, but I'll get them and man, I'll just go at it for a while, which is good for my podcast. Cause I really just start producing. Swear to God, I was just about to say that, but that's got to be handy sometimes. It is is handy. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on a a blog article about how being bipolar is uh, like having a superpower. I like that. I don't need to sleep. (laughs) I don't need to. I just, man, if I have a goal, I'm getting there, you know? So one of the things that you mentioned and this is something that's been in the news recently in the past couple of years, where you said, especially to type ones in their hypermania, especially sexual issues. Yeah. yeah. There's been a big, a lot of publicity on the school teachers that have been sleeping with children. And I noticed in multiple accounts, the women were saying I'm, I'm bipolar. I think I was in a hypermanic episode that's that's what led to this now i'm not saying it's right or that's actually what happened they might be trying to use as an excuse but right knowing what we know it makes sense but i would say is even when i'm in that frame of mind and don't get me wrong i've done some crazy shit right when (laughs) i was when i was up there one time when i was up there i joined the navy like one day Wow. <laughs> one day and just like one day i walked up and joined the navy <laughs> and it's like it's like coming down off of it whenever i had to leave and well did you go <laughs> like i or did, did they... i went <laughs> and yeah that's the whole thing yes i did go to the navy oh and, what was your mos oh, oh no, no no i got kicked out in boot camp for, <laughs> for psychological reasons <laughs> gotcha she got a free trip to chicago so i did yeah i did and <laughs> But, you know, here's the thing is while I was doing that, I knew it was a bad decision. I knew it. I knew that I shouldn't be doing it. Or or there was a time where I met a girl online who lived in Mexico City and I bust her up here when I was feeling up there. And I knew I shouldn't be doing that. So what I'm saying about those teachers is, yeah, they might have been manic or hypomanic, but they knew they were doing wrong. Like, go to Craigslist if that's how you're feeling. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and I never uh, assumed or thought that that was a legitimate, oh, well, since you're saying that you get out of it. No. But when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember them saying that and multiple of the uh, suspects were like, well, or that's what that was reported. Yeah. yeah. Bipolar. And that may have had. Yeah. It's not an excuse, like you said, but you know, the decrease of inhibitions is an absolute real thing. Hmm. So we find out you're starting to get treatment. Did you ever find or experience anything that you found to be more helpful than something else? Now, granted, everyone's an individual, but what was your personal path? Or do you still feel like this is a struggle or have you found a level where you feel comfortable at? Yeah. Yes. Um, I say it's a it's a battle. Bipolar 
maybe more than others or and then less than others because of the mood shifts you're always questioning whether what you're doing is working because you know the idea like for example behind psychiatric meds is to get you level as best as possible right so then when when like you know i'm on lithium and i'm on anti-seizure meds and all sorts of things and when i still will go up or down you know then you get angry why is this still happening but i would say you know i'm in a good spot now because i have support like crazy and that's the number one thing is support like my wife yeah yeah support system friends family anything you can find uh like my wife would like lay on a train track for me you know right which is awesome yeah she's she's the best and but before that going through the process to get where i am now was kind of fucked man it was there was a lot of weird there was a lot of weird stuff that happened with some people um, that I feel shouldn't be involved in that line of work, uh, you know, but I, it's hard to explain. You just have to, you have to keep going anyway. You have to keep trying. You have to keep going back. You have to find the right people because, you know, at 25, when I started seeking people out, the odds are you're not going to get your answer out of the cage with mental right. health because this isn't a chemical thing where they can draw your blood and say, this is what it is. And here's your pill, you know? Yeah. And even everyone's bipolar experience is separate and different. So it's, uh, so that's difficult. Then you run into personalities as well. So, you know, along the way I've, I've had several therapists, several psychiatrists. I've been forced inpatient into hospitals for suicidal ideations. And, uh, I've been in outpatients for suicidal stuff. And, you know, like these personalities that you just find a lot of different people and they all have something, they all have their opinion, you know, because yeah. that that's the bad thing about mental health. There's a lot of opinion involved. So, it, yeah, the, the journey is tough and that's why I just lean on my support system as much as possible. Well, and from the treatment side, that's one of the scariest aspects for me and I'm, I, I don't know how Ben feels, but because there isn't, I can't see T your head and say, oh, this is what's going on. Or just like you said in the beginning, they did honestly what I would have probably thought. Okay, this is probably some anxiety, some depression. Let's start there. And unfortunately for you, that just delays your treatment. And I mean, but you got to start somewhere, right? Correct. I just wish if you break your arm, we're going to find it. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. going to fix it. If you're saying, hey, I need help and I don't know how to tell you it. Yeah. I can't draw a lab. I can't do a CT. That's going to tell me. And that's the, that's the opinion scares me and the lack of definitive testing. Yes. You know, as a newer, as, or I shouldn't say newer, as a new, I still feel like I'm a new nurse practitioner. It's a daunting task to say, Hey, I'm going to affect your brain chemistry and hope it's right. Right. You know, and it's, it is like that. And even from a patient's perspective, you feel the same way. So there's some understanding out there with people being confused about mental illness or mental health or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, there's even there's psychiatrists out there, you know, that won't call it a mental illness because you can't test for things. And it's yeah, it's just a struggle finding different people doing different things and actually have a, a story that can kind of highlight how opinions can muddy the waters. Huh? So first off, I had to apply for something, and this is within the last year. And I had to go back when I was applying for this thing and contact all my doctors and find out what, all the meds I've ever been on since like 2010, right? And lo and behold, even before I got my bipolar diagnosis, or, or, you know, the one that I finally agreed with. And that's a big thing for me. Like, you, I feel like you have to agree with what someone says is happening with you. Yeah. Correct. And before I finally found the person who said it out loud to me and I agreed with it, I looked back at the meds I was on with a lot of these people and they were all prescribing me antipsychotics and I had no idea. They didn't yeah. tell me anything. They didn't say, I think you're bipolar or anything. They just was like, here's a med. And, you know, I thought maybe it was an antidepressant, but I was like on Seroquel or... Abilify or, or whatever, you know, mm. and 
but that being said is, is the reason I'm saying that is because, so this whole time I've been treated for a mood disorder, right? So all these people agreed with each other I, and, and whether or not I paid attention to what they were saying is a different story, but there was one guy <laughs> who had an opinion and this is how the, the waters get muddied. And I have a weird relationship with him and he was my therapist and he was the therapist I, I've to date saw the most regular and the longest. And I'm very angry at him. And I, I have a lot, a lot of hostility towards him, but also a lot of love because he helped me in a lot of ways. Mm. But one thing, the thing that he did that made me never go back to him and kind of wouldn't say I hold a grudge. I just, I, I don't know what feelings to wrap around. But so when I was 27, around there, this is when I was really getting serious about like therapy, you know? Right. And... I went to this therapist and we worked together for, you know, like a year and a half. And um, he diagnosed me with dissociative identity disorder. Whoa. Hmm. And so for people who don't know what that is, that is what you would think of as multiple personality disorder. Now, there is a huge misconception as to what that actually means, which is why pop psych is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. To, is to make people understand like multiple personalities aren't what you think they are and that kind of thing. But, you know, and of course I believed him, you know, right. and we went through a lot of therapies. I, I went through EMDR for some past like memory stuff, which is actually very helpful for some of the stuff that, you know, just bothered me about some certain aspects of my life. I recommend EMDR for like everybody. Hold on just real quick. So there's going to be people and I want to make sure I'm clear. EMDR is like the focusing technique. Yeah, it is. It's called uh, eye movement desensil ah, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Desens I can't say I'm bad at big words, but you it's, anyway, it's that one. Anyway, what they do is and there's several ways to do it is they trigger your right brain and your left brain back and forth while you're combing through memories. And the easiest and simplest way to put it is what it does is memories that are having effect on your life, uh, like a traumatic memory or something, can, can like, uh, in layman's terms, like store themselves in your short-term memory and then like never went to your long-term memory. So EMDR can help move your memories to where they're supposed to be so that you can process them uh, naturally. It's a real thing and it really works. This sounds like it would be really great and helpful for something like PTSD. Yes. No, no, no. That's a huge, that's like a primary use for PTSD. Okay. Right. But it's useful in all sorts of things. I mean, trauma is trauma, whether or not you have PTSD symptoms from it or not. Right. And so he did a lot of great things with me, like EMDR. It's still to this date the best therapist I've ever had. But what happened is, is he had me in his office, and this is still to me, I feel regret and embarrassment and shame, even though I know I shouldn't. And that's, you know, he had me in there like acting out sort of these like identities. Like leading you on. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, it was like putting it in my head and, and, and I believed him and huh. I wasn't lying. I just was going along with it, I guess. Right. And, and then I found out after about, I don't know, I guess a year, oh, close to a year and a half, I just didn't feel it was right. I didn't feel he was right. I didn't, I was like, I don't, you know, I just don't feel like that's right. Because we had this person called the suit, right? And so the suit was the person that did all my business for me. When really, if you look back, was the suit was my hypomania. Yeah. Uh, was me being super goal oriented, right? So he took that as I had a separate personality. Gotcha. And... I found out that he, like, in college or whatever, like, did his dissertation or whatever it was on DID. And basically, he had someone come in his office, and in my mind, he went, ooh, I got one. Yeah. He stopped right there and just went forward with what he thought was that without, like, diving, like, without thinking more. Because to a hammer, everything is a nail. Right. Basically. So he put everything into the, like, box that he thought it fit into. And so... That's where opinions can not only affect the lives of the patients, but they can also affect how people in the general public see things. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, wow. It hurts stigma or, or it increases stigma even. So was it just a realization or was it research or was it, what happened that made you go, this isn't it? Well, 
it would be the fact that a huge amount of the time when I was in therapy with him, I was actually depressed, right? I was in a down period. But even when I'm depressed, I'll still have periods of hypomania and I'll come out and be like all super productive, but like the, the, the crash is quick, right? And I go right back into it. And it's when I came out of that, it was in like, it was right at the beginning of summer, I remember. It's like my thought pattern started changing and things started kind of settling down and leveling out to, you know, quote unquote normal. And it was just like, as soon as that went away, I was like, oh God, <laughs> huh. what's been happening yeah. for the last, you know, that was, that was the 11th month, the 11 month depression. Wow. And uh, I was like, what was, what was happening? You know, this isn't, so I started questioning it, reading more. I hadn't done a lot of self-advocating up to that point. So kind of learning, and I just disagreed with it. Once I just saw it from not being wrapped in it, I just disagreed with it. And I never told him, I just stopped going. Did you have any changes in like medication or did you, were you still doing EMDR? Was there anything that helped bring about your clarity, I guess? No, this one was time because at this time I was, I was seeing a therapist, but I didn't have a psychiatrist at this point. So I was on a really small dose of Lexapro. Okay. And well, Xanax, they always just gave me Xanax, but I mean, they used to hand that stuff out like candy. Yeah. And yeah, no, it was just coming out of like my fog of depression, like naturally, like a natural, like mood shift. Hmm. That's interesting. But yeah, that's why it took 11 months because I didn't have, like now yeah. when I hit a depression, like I'm on like more of the right meds, so they, they don't last that long. Is there any, I don't want to say trigger, is there, trigger's the wrong word, trigger would be the cause. Is there anything that you start recognizing that makes you go, okay, I know where I'm heading? Or is it just experience? No, 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 it's definitely a recognizing thing and learn to recognize, right? In fact, actually Ryan, co-host Pop Psych, we talked about this on the episode that's coming out on Monday because, well, he was talking about an app that they're um, testing on mental health patients that tracks your phone usage over time. And it will gain a, a medium of what you normally do. And then it will report divergences of out of what your normal pattern of phone usage is. And oh, wow. Ryan thought that was really useful for someone like me because he knows that when I go up, my pattern of phone use is going to change. Ryan knows he's going to get messaged a whole lot more from me. <laughs> right. Because you got you got shit to do. That's right. Come on, Ryan. I got stuff to do. And he knows that the website's going to get like revamped from ground up every time. <laughs> and that like, right. You know, I'm <laughs> I've been writing blogs recently, so he'll notice that stuff. And he thought it is a good sign. That's a sign, right? And, and that can mm -hmm. help you. But I have learned to notice signs naturally. And it's things like, well, one is my wife. She notices before I do. She'll notice that I'm talking to her like intensely. And, and the reason I'm focusing on the, the hypomania part of it is because the downswing comes after that, right? Right. So it, that's where it starts. So we, we can predict the downswing because we know once I'm up that it's going to come after. You're going to come back down. Right. And so she'll notice that stuff coming on, you know, like, I guess my eyes, or I'll talk faster, or I'll talk more, that kind of stuff. But the thing I notice first is when, this is an example I always use, when I have to go to the restroom, but I'm working on something, and I sit there for six hours working on that same thing without going to the bathroom. That's like one of the first things I'll notice, or I won't eat. Wow. You know, and so, listen, sorry, Tom, go ahead. No, no, go on, Ben. So I'm listening to Mike. When I first got out of school, you know, I'm going into my sixth, seventh year now as a as a practitioner, and I tell all my students now, I'm like, whenever you're in school, pay attention to mental health. I'm like, because there's so much mental health in family practice, and we just you don't realize it. Some of that is because of the stigma, because they can come to the family practice, and it's not the mental health building, and so if they're seen in the parking lot or they're seen in the lobby, then they can be there for anything and not necessarily mental health. Uh, whereas yeah. if they're in the mental health building. That's the only thing there. In primary care building. They're there for, yeah. No, I miss it. But no, I got what you meant. I have learned a lot over the last several years. And a lot of what Mike is saying is very similar to kind of what I try to tell patients now in that, you know, this is not an infection where I can know what antibiotic is going to work for this. You know, this is 
trial and error. And I have to, you have to come in and you have to be honest with me about what's going on. And you have to tell me if things are working, things are not working, because what's going to work for you is probably not going to work for the next person. And then I try to explain with some of the bipolar patients, and we are very lucky in our office to have a behaviorist on staff. And so we have someone who can come in and help do some mental health screenings and some things of that nature. So that is very, very helpful. Yeah. But I try to explain bipolar kind of like a roller coaster is kind of how I explain it. And, or even with, and with the mood stabilizers, how we're trying to, we're not going to make the track straight by any means, but we're just trying to take some of the hills and the valleys out of it. Yes, yes, it's less bumpy. Yeah, no wooden roller coasters. Right? Yes, we're trying to avoid we're trying to avoid timber wolves. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean that just leaves, at least makes me feel like I'm hopefully on the right track with trying to take care of some of my mental health patients that I see because I would say seventy five percent of primary care has a mental health aspect attached to it in some way, shape, or form, whether they're there for that oh, specifically yeah. or if it's something that you're picking up on and just talking to them about other stuff. Yeah. And you know, that goes both ways too. And first off Ben, and I think it's amazing to have someone that has that in mind when you're seeing people, you know, I always preach this thing called mental health is health. And I think literal disease and illness and mental health are so separated in the world of people's minds and care. Um, you know, like, so we have separate buildings, right? For yeah. I mean, You have your mental yeah. health building and you have your hospital, right? And it's, they're just so separated. And I'm not saying everyone needs to be an expert in both. But the fact that you're aware that maybe someone's coming in with, and they have these issues, and maybe you're able to say, I don't think that's me. But for me, when I say mental health is health, like, wouldn't it be great if, you know, you have a behavioral person there, but wouldn't it be great if you had mental like psychiatrist there too because it's like the same thing (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yeah no it did and it goes both ways too like ryan was talking on an episode recently about how did a brain on fire have you guys seen that movie i have not seen it but that's the episode i'm listening to you guys talk about now okay yeah and you know it's a good one for this exact conversation because it involves the diagnosis trap which is being diagnosed with something that you're that you don't have because of symptoms or opinions, just like we're talking about. And uh, Ryan was talking about how if he gets certain people come in and and they're talking about like, let's say like a hallucination, Ryan is going to have on his mind that there's always that possibility that this is not psychiatric. You know what I mean? And he's going to see them and keep talking to them. And then if he gets like windfall that there is, that they need to go to the doctor so they can get tests like that. Like he will tell them like they should go. Well, but it should think, be in the same building. <laughs> I think part, well, first of all, I don't think you're going to find any primary care for certain that disagree with you, Mike. Right. I don't, I don't think there's any primary care providers in America that are going, no, I got too much uh, mental health support. <laughs> like that's just not a thing. I find though, it almost falls into the out of sight, out of mind in some ways. If you come in with a dislocated ankle, there's no ignoring that, right? I can see it. You can't walk. That is a, a gross deformity that we can see. When someone comes in and says, hey, I just don't feel right, there's a lot of people that are just going to go, and? And it's not something we can see, and it's not something that I can detect. Or, and or bill insurance that, for. Yes, and so therefore it becomes a how do I fix this thing? And I'll be honest, some providers are so busy, they're just like, well, you fall to the back burner. Because I know the guy with diabetes. I can track his blood sugar. So we can fix that. But I don't know how to fix you. It's like a cold case. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, and and that's not to excuse it. I'm just saying at some point there has to be a better system to figure it out. I just, I'm not saying I know what it is. But the mental health is health. I I heard you and Ryan say that on, on one of your episodes. And again, I don't think anybody so much disagrees as much as I don't know how to get there from here. Right. And when we say that, we talk to like the public, Ryan especially is, is aware of exactly what you're saying. We, we kind of, or I preach that because just for your everyday person to understand that fibromyalgia and depression are running the same thing, you know? Yeah. Yep. So Mike, before we 
let you go. I know you had kind of an odd, I don't want to say episode. I don't, I don't know how to, to frame it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was wondering when this was coming. Develop. <laughs> and it's one that you and I kind of talked about a little bit. And I, in thinking back and in talking to my wife, who's a nurse also, and she's like, yeah, I can remember hearing about that in school, but it was just something you don't hear a lot of. So can you kind of fill us in on some of that? You're talking about the olfactory hallucination? I am, sir. Yes. That's the... <laughs> Is there another hallucination? Hold on. No, wait a second. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yes, the olfactory. You know, I've heard stuff before. I don't know. People that are that have bipolar can have like what's called psychotic episodes, and then they can experience hallucinations when that happens. There is a time when I was really, really just like grinding teeth, and like I was hearing like echoes. Like if you were to talk in a room, it sounded like you were like add reverb on your microphone, you know? Yeah. Uh, that was lasted not long, like an afternoon. But what happened recently, and this is the only time this has ever happened. I hope it's the only time it ever happens. And we still, you know, we don't know why. We can't really pinpoint it on whether it's, I was having a literal hallucination. Well, I mean, it was a hallucination, but we don't know why, you know? Right. I Just one day, my wife was at work and I was at home with the kids and I was about to wash the dishes. And I was walking by my bathroom and I noticed a smell coming from the bathroom I mean, like, open the door, knock you over. Now, it wasn't a gross smell, so it wasn't like, uh, you know, turds. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, children. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, would be super normal, and I wouldn't even paused. I, right. yeah. it, it was like a really high-end, like, okay, so if tur- <laughs> turds, if turds are a low smell, <laughs> right, if that's a down-low smell, this is an up-high smell. And rosemary. <laughs> yeah. And, but I can't explain it. I've never smelled it before. It's, it's not a smell that's ever come into my life. I don't even know if it exists. Like my brain created it, but it was this really high end smell. And the only way I can describe it is it had hints of rust and clovers in it, but it was so thick and like just invasive. My, it was making my stomach sick. Like, cause it was so smelly. So I like shut the bathroom door. I was like, what? I was like, I'll take care of that later. And what I thought it was is the day before my son had clogged the sink with some Kleenex, right? And I thought, okay, and, and I hadn't cleaned it out yet. <laughs> and I thought, okay, those like things have molded and something weird happened in the pipes and that's like producing a smell. Right. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I went to the kitchen to, to wash dishes and I'm washing them and I'm smelling that smell. And I'm smelling it really strong out of the kitchen. You know, I'm not a plumber here, obviously. Um, I wrote this in the blog. Like, I know nothing about house plumbing, obviously, because I thought, okay, so the smell from the bathroom is coming through the pipes and out of my kitchen. <laughs> Which I could see for someone who doesn't, I mean, I don't know plumbing, so I could see, yeah. Yeah, I would have guessed the same thing. I, not the Bob Vila in my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, there's, and part of me knew that that couldn't be, but I was like, yeah, this has got to be. So, but man, like the smell, it was pissing me off. Like I was getting angry because it was just like hitting me in waves, like different things and different things I was holding. And I kept screaming like, what the fuck is the smell? And I, so I was like, I got to get these dishes done. I got all the dishes done and I still smelled it, but it was like lessened. And then I looked and there was a bottle sitting there, like a bottle that we hadn't washed in a day or whatever. So the little bits of milk were you yeah. know, congealed or whatever. So I smelled that and it, there was the smell, right? like that's the smell it's coming from this bottle so i cleaned the bottle out and the bottle still smelled like it but very lightly and i was like okay and then i was just like but how did it get in the bathroom but i kind of just shrugged it off and then i was like okay i got to clean the counters so i pull out the cleaner that i've used for two years and i spray the cabinet and now as soon as i spray the cabinet the smell is like back to just being overwhelming wow so i'm like what is going on so then I think, oh my God, it's the cleaner because I cleaned the bathroom with this cleaner. Okay. And now I smell it. The cleaner was under the, the cabinet and now it's out here and it's stronger. So it's been the cleaner the whole time. So I get out the other cleaner that I have that's a different brand, different smell. And I spray that one and I smell it. And, that, and the smell is there, but it's a different level of potency. So at this point, I'm starting to go, what is happening, right? So I start I start walking around and smelling like arm rails and like doorknobs. And every single thing smell had was the smell. 
Um, and so the, the best way I can explain it is the original smell was still there of something, but this new smell was painted over the top of it and just had like little holes for the original smell to like seep through. Huh. And so however thick a thing normally smells, however potent something normally smells, so like a, a desktop, how it barely has a smell, but it does have a smell. Right. Uh, that's That would be how potent this new smell would be. So if, for example, the cleaner which is a very potent smell, smelled very potent of the new smell. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm starting to get pretty anxious about it. So I thought, okay, maybe I went in the bathroom and the smell just stuck, and not to be gross, but like I thought maybe I have an old booger in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I need to like blow my nose and it'll go away. So I went outside and like blow my nose. But this is when I really started kind of losing it was, uh, then when I did that and the wind, because it was really windy that day, uh, the wind smelled like it. Oh, wow. And so I went in and I called my wife and I said, can you please get home ASAP? I need to know if you smell this. I need to know, like, I'm not crazy. You have to tell me this is real. She's like, well, I'm on my way home. And it just so happens that her and my little sister showed up at my house at the same time, like coincidentally. And lo and behold, neither of them smelled the smell. So I start freaking out. Right. Rightfully so. Started just kind of freaking out. And I really couldn't, I couldn't concentrate at this point because, you know, anxiety. And like uh, my wife, it's not that she wasn't taking it seriously. I, I just didn't think she knew how frightening this was for me. And she's like, well, call like a nurse line or something. And like, I couldn't figure out how to call a nurse line. And once I finally did like figure out, like I, I called like the wrong number. And then like, there's just, I didn't have it in me to like figure that out, you know? Yeah. And so I actually contacted Ben first to but you were on a trip right Ben yeah I was I was in the Caribbean yeah sorry because <laughs> I didn't know what to do and the only thing I could figure out was texting somebody I knew and I know two nurse practitioners and so Ben was out of town <laughs> and I'm sorry Ben I know that you know you're like I'm not on the clock I'm not it's really not a good thing to do but I didn't know what else to do you know no and had I been here I would have called and talked to me <laughs> Not that I probably could have been able to do anything, but I would have. Yeah, I'd have been like, "You're having a stroke." <laughs> well, that's what they—that's what they told me, right? Is what ended up happening. But I did contact another nurse, nurse practitioner that we know online, who I who I was like, "Listen, I know that you're. This is not like something that's like super accepted for you to do to talk about this kind of stuff online, but this is happening, and I can't get a hold of a nurse here." And she called me down and talked about meds. I had been on a new med recently, so she's like, "It, it could be that med." It could be the lithium you're on. It could be a number of things. But if it doesn't get better, by tomorrow morning, you should go to the hospital, right? I say, okay. Or if anything gets worse. Well, then as soon as we get off the phone, I start having tremors, right? My hands and my feet start shaking. And then at that point, I just, I lost it. And my sister rushed me to the emergency room where I had 155 heart rate. Legs and arms are shaking. And basically what happened there is... They came in, they, they, I heard the lady say stroke protocol in the hallway. When I was in the emergency room, like in a room, a doctor was in there. This is like three minutes as soon as I got there. And they set me up for CT because they thought stroke too, right? And they set me up for a CT. But I will say as soon as they found out I was on psych meds and then I have bipolar, they definitely calmed down about what they thought it was. Like they, yeah. they weren't as urgent. I don't blame them. They're, I think in the end they were right, you know? So I got the CT, wasn't there. There was nothing, no stroke. I am, however, currently being, I'm going to go see a neurologist because I'm just like, I have to just make sure, you know? Yeah, I understand that. And yeah. The ER side of me is like, I don't know what's wrong. And I know that strokes, and, and like you said earlier with Ryan, just because you're having the mental like hallucination does not mean that there's not a physical reason. Right. Right. Or that so it's not real. That out. Yeah. Like it's real either way, whether like a stroke or a tumor or seizures causing it, if it's, even if it's the mental stuff, like whatever's causing it, it was real. And it sounds, cause at first I'm like, Oh, you know, that's a funny story. And then you're like, but it won't go away. And it was in the wind. I was like, okay, I'd probably be, I'd probably be like, okay, something's wrong at this point. Yeah. And I tried to ground myself. I did my coping skills. I, you know, like I talked to our nurse practitioner friend to ground me in reality about what could be really happening. 
I talked to my wife about getting here and smelling it so that I was grounded to reality. Mm-hmm. And once all that went it way, yeah, that's when <laughs> that was just after that, it was panic attack too. So it's re- it was really hard to tell at the hospital whether I was just having a panic attack or seizing from a stroke from a stroke or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Well, that's. So, I mean, I'm glad you're better. I'm glad things are. Yeah. As far as the so when they said you're not having a stroke, well, like, how long did it take for like the symptoms to resolve? Like three days. Well, but it, it got better every day. And then the last thing that happened was the smell went away, but I was smelling everything like it was the first time I smelled it. I can't explain it. It was like everything was, I could smell the the doorknob, like, mm. like from standing there. Like I could just smell everything. And then that went away. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm glad things are better for you as far as that aspect is. <laughs> yeah, but like the reason I would tell that story is because People don't know that a bipolar person can experience a hallucination and olfactory or smell hallucinations or phantom smells are a thing, <laughs> which I didn't know. Well, it, it's certainly not going to be the first thing I'm thinking. <laughs> or, or anybody. Yeah. Like, what did you guys think when I was like going through everything? Well, honestly, like I said, my first thought was head bleed. If you came into me and you said, hey, this is what's going on. Or at the very least, I have to rule that out. And I guess maybe that's just the way I practice. I just go, okay, I, I see where this is going and it could be a couple different things, but the worst thing it could be is an internal head bleed and we need to get that squared away. And I would agree. I kind of would work from worst case scenario forward and rule out stuff with the head CT and, and, kind of go from there um you know drug level even if it was like let's say medication okay i can fix your medication later but if it's a head bleed uh we gotta fix that now like that's not a wait around yeah and that's what that's what they did you know they did the right thing they i was in a ct scan and i I had 15 minutes maybe yeah well maybe head bleed maybe it could be ischemic too i'm just saying some kind of stroke there's there's something i'm gonna have to like no we gotta rule that out first no i would agree crazy but but in the end, we still don't know what it was. Likely it was the meds, the new meds I was on. Or I was also weaning off, or with, I just come off of Lunesta. And there is a side effect of withdrawal from Lunesta. That's hallucinations. And Interesting. Yeah. See, those sleep meds scare the daylights out of me. Yeah. Well, Mike, before we let you go, we always try to end our show when we have a guest with a segment called five questions Ooh! so let me cue the music up here and then we'll ask you the five questions join us on a journey into the inner psyche of our guest as we ask five 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 questions oh my god i love that so much <laughs> <laughs> i do that same kind of stuff Thanks. I, yeah, it was, I learned from you, so there we go. Yeah. All right. So, question one. I'm gonna change question one slightly because you're non-medical. So, let's just go with what's your favorite word? My favorite word. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> just let it rip, man. Okay. I'm gonna say my favorite word is Brianna. Okay. Ooh, a name. Which is your wife's name? Correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But. All right. He wanted all 12 people listening to this to know that. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Question two. If you could do any job in the world other than what you currently do, what would it be? Have a job. Well, there you go. See? Any job? Just... No, you know, I would probably like anybody like us, I would love to get, I would love my full-time position to be paid in something I love to do, like podcasting or uh, writing or videos or anything like that. All right. Question three. Think back to what your first car was. What was your first? 1994 Chevy Camaro. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Uh, You started in a Camaro? Yeah. Metallic green. My dad was going through his midlife crisis when he bought the Camaro and coming out of it when I turned, uh, when I got my license at 17 and he gave it to me. Well, I don't even need to ask the rest of the question, but we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. So stylish rider rolling turd. (laughs) Say that again. (laughs) <laughs> so your first car was it a stylish ride or a rolling turd it was very nice when i got it i i think i wrecked it like five or six times so it was a turd when i got done with it 
Oh. <laughs> See, most cars aren't a Camaro. Most of the time we get like it was a seventy four Vega. We're like, okay. <laughs> what was it what did was it cool? Was it not cool? All right, question four, Mike. If your house is on fire, everyone, including your pets, are safe. What's the one thing that you want to get out of your house? I only get one? Only one. Yeah. Okay, so as long as I had backed up my most previous episode, <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't need my laptop, I would take my, I would take um, a bass guitar that my dad bought me when I was 15. Awesome. All right. Electric or acoustic? It's electric. Ooh. I was in a band for like thousand years a thousand years <laughs> he's at 1073 right now yeah no. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you didn't know <laughs> very yoda like of you last question question five mike you have nine dollars 18 cents in your pocket what all do you buy i'm gonna buy a bottle of wine for my wife but the cheap kind from ollie's is like 350 something i was gonna say okay um and then I'm going to go to Dollar General and buy paper plates and candy. What kind of candy? Yeah. Well, it depends on what they have, but hopefully sour gummy worms, nice. um, some Reese's pe- or some Reese's buttercups, and let's see, that's $3. Uh, uh, hopefully they have Swedish fish. Ooh, I like Swedish fish. Yeah. See, we were on track. Like, I was like, if you go down to my cupboard right now, you're going <laughs> to find that. And then I was like, oh, but Swedish fish. I don't know. I, I mean, I, it's not that I don't like them. The texture, man. But, but it's, yeah, I like it. But Reese cups and sour gummy worms. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, have you had those new Reese? I shouldn't say new. I mean, they've been around for a minute now, but the Reese cups with the Reese pieces in them. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're great. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. All right. Well, that was five question so that's going to wrap up our guest segment so if you're interested in finding us you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter all at just some podcast you can find us on the web www.justsomepodcast.com our email is admin at just some podcast.com mike why don't you tell them where they can catch you at uh you can find uh, everything we do at poppsych101.com including our blog which is pretty new but we're writing articles there but facebook Twitter and Instagram at poppsych101. Awesome. Hey Mike, we really appreciate having you on the show, man. I'm glad to have you on and have you talk so candidly about your bipolar and and things that you've been through. Yep, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I really really appreciate it. Tom, you got anything to say, man? No, Mike, I, again, I just what Ben said. Big fan of yours and it was really awesome having you on the show and maybe someday we can do something again. I really had it a, a good time. I'm always down. Yep. All right. All right. Well, on that note, I hope everybody has a great week. Hey, everybody, stay safe out there. Won't you come with me tonight? Your thoughts might not get another chance to be beautiful. At least not tonight. No, no. Said woman, we can dance the night away. Make some magic at another buffet. You could eat first to feel like she looked at me kind of crazy. Said, hey, you little misfit. We're gonna fight it Cause anger's to let us from stranger One never from danger It's where you'll be if you don't stop Pissing me off To let us from stranger One